championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com postgame show. The Lakers get a big, exciting win of the Sacramento Kings. I was jumping up out of my seat during a number of big plays in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Ended up being a fun one, frustrating through some moments as well. But we're going to break it all down. We'll talk about LeBron's big fourth quarter run. We'll talk about Taylor Horton Tucker. Welcome back. Where have you been? We'll talk about Russell Westbrook matching his jersey number in turnovers. Who would have thought? Zero turnovers for Russell Westbrook. We're going to break down this whole game. Plus, we'll be taking your questions and comments. So if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. Fire off your questions and comments, and we'll get to them in just a bit. I'm Trevor Lane. You guys can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane and on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Joined by Matt the Optimist Peralta. Make sure you guys find him at underscore Matthew Peralta over on Twitter at Matthew Peralta on Instagram. Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well, Trevor. The Lakers are finally back above 500 for the first time in what seems like forever now, That's which is great. Fun. And I just checked the standings. They are now in a three-way tie for fifth place. They, they are, are. They are, uh, what was it? It was the same number of games back. Technically, they are in seventh place. And I forget right. what the first tiebreaker is, but record-wise... They're right there. They're um, they are ten and a half games back from uh, tied with Denver and the Dallas Mavericks for fifth place right now. Yeah, it seems like that top four has really separated themselves. The four being the Warriors, the Suns, the Jazz, and mm -hmm. the Grizzlies. Um, but like that's what kind of we were saying. As long as the Lakers can stay afloat, stay around five hundred or so, they're going to be well in the mix to stay out of the play-in tournament, which is I think preferably what we would like right now well yes yeah absolutely you want to stay out of the play-in tournament i think that the grizzly the top three i think are probably out of reach at this point are, sure. are probably out of reach and that's golden state utah and uh and phoenix but memphis maybe they've been playing really well and so i wouldn't say it's likely but i think it's possible for the lakers to catch the grizzlies most likely though we're probably talking five seed is probably best case scenario for the lakers right now yeah, I'd say so. And, you know, credit to Memphis. They've been playing lights out. They Absolutely. just picked up another great win over the Cleveland Cavaliers earlier today. And they're still missing Dylan Brooks, which I didn't realize until today as well. Uh, Desmond Bain's been stepping in really well for mm -hmm. them. So I don't think this is a fluke. I think they're here to stay. Um, that is a legitimate playoff team. And that's who the Lakers would be playing in the first round if uh, they managed to snap the five seed and the, the standing stayed the same. That would so, be a heck of a series if that winds, up, be if that winds up happening. Uh, Memphis has been playing tremendous basketball. And again, that game tonight, that was a blast between the Grizzlies and the Cavs. But we're here to talk Lakers. So the yes. Lakers do get the win tonight over the Sacramento Kings, an important win, because we've seen too many times this season where the Lakers have found ways to lose games like this. And tonight yeah. they found a way to get a win. And it was the opposite in a lot of ways than what we would normally think. And we'll get into some of the big picture concepts here in terms of playing big versus playing small, low turnovers, solid on the offensive glass, and then not shooting well when everything was reversed in most of their previous games. But the Lakers on the night, LeBron James, 31 points, five boards, five assists, 12 of 26 shooting, did not shoot well, but picked it up in the fourth quarter, three of sure 10 did. from three, Russell Westbrook, 19 points, seven boards, only two assists. Perhaps that's part of why the turnover count was so low, but zero turnovers, <laughs> zero turnovers for Russell Westbrook and a team high plus 17. Okay. Okay, I'll take that. Malik Monk, 24 points. He continues to be absolutely phenomenal. Hit it some clutch shots for the Lakers. Six for 11 from three. Dwight Howard, welcome back, Dwight. 14 and 14 on six of 12 shooting. He was monstrous for the Lakers tonight. And then Taylor Horton Tucker steps in. 19 points, nine of 13 shooting, one of two from deep, six assists, four boards, two steals. This is the THT that Lakers fans have been waiting for. So Matt, you pick. What 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 topic do you want to start with out of all that? Oh god. Um there's there's a lot of them. Um I think we should start with THT though because um you and I were talking about it, you know, off the air, you know, even before the game started about, you know, THT and some interesting comments that Vogel made pregame mm -hmm. uh regarding his role because, you know, it's no secret THT has been, you know, kind of falling out of favor with the Lakers fan base given how he struggled on the floor. Looks like he's lost some confidence. The jumper looked shaky, seemed really hesitant on the floor. So yeah. um, maybe he took those comments to heart 
because he came out and was absolutely a difference maker tonight. This is it's been a while since I've said I can say we've had a good THT game, so I don't know if this is his best game of the season so far, but it sure feels like it given what it meant for the team tonight. Yeah, this was this was big, not just for THT, it was big for the Lakers too. And I thought Frank Vogel, he made a smart choice by rewarding Taylor Horton Tucker and giving him minutes down the stretch and in, in crunch time. He rewarded Absolutely. him for his good play, kept him out there on the floor, showed faith in him. Before the game, Vogel said THT has had a tough go. Uh, he's been yo-yoed in and out of the starting lineup, so he was kind of sticking up for THT, but he also said he doesn't think he's playing poorly, he's just shooting poorly, but sure. he doesn't know what his role is going to be, whether it's starter, off the bench, doesn't know what he's going to be doing there, but he also finished by saying they still think he's going to come around with his shooting, and they think he's going to grow into an elite defender. They just don't know exactly when that's going to be taking place. So given everything that's been going on, this was badly needed for Taylor Horton Tucker. It was badly needed for the Lakers tonight. And I'm glad to see this out of him because this is a guy that looked like his confidence was just completely shot. Yeah, I mean, to be completely fair, though, the Kings are one of the, you know, not as great defensive teams sure. in the league, to put it nicely. So uh, I'm going to take this performance with a little grain of salt. But given how much he struggled... Anything like this is is a welcome sight. He was a big part of the Lakers' plans coming into the season. I still believe that's going to be the case. Um, Frank Vogel did talk a little bit about Kendrick Nunn and how he's going to play heavy minutes once he's back and healthy. Yeah. And so you and I were speculating on the last show, is it going to be THT's minutes he's going to eat into or is it going to be someone else? And after tonight's performance, it kind of muddies the picture even more because well, you've got three or four legitimate guys. What do you think about now? that, by the way? Because when Frank Vogel said that, this was one of his last statements of our pregame presser. And I, it, it caught me by surprise when he said it. He said, mm. and in fact, my, my wife even looked at me and said, what? I said, Frank Vogel just said he that a guy who hasn't played all season is going to get major minutes as soon as he comes back. How do you feel about that? About and Frank Vogel saying guys are going to lose minutes because I want to give major minutes to Kendrick Nunn. I mean, I'm obviously a little conflicted because I don't think coming into this season they expected Austin Reeves to be such a revelation for the team. I think mm -hmm. whatever minutes he's getting, we're all going to go to Kendrick Nunn. But because Reeves has shown that he is a legitimate producer and contributor for this team, I'm not really too sure I want to take minutes away from him. There's obviously the Avery Bradley thing. His contract isn't guaranteed, but I think at this point we're all expecting it to. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have a roster spot, and we know how much Frank Vogel loves Avery Bradley. So it's it's a minutes crunch. It's it's really going to... To me, it feels like it's going to depend almost on a nightly basis, like who's playing well or what the team needs, kind of like how he shuffled in Dwight mm -hmm. into the rotation tonight. I kind of feel like we might be heading toward that sort of situation. Um, and it gives me a little bit of pause because one of the things we've been talking about a lot is inconsistency with the rotations. And so if you're going to keep, you know, using Vogel's terminology here, yo-yoing people in and out of the lineup, I'm not really sure how consistent the team can get. Um, it's a good problem to have. You always Absolutely. want more players. You always want players. You always want more players that you can legitimately play rather than less or fewer, I should say. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I just don't know how to feel about it yet. If Kendrick Nunn comes out, you know, guns blazing, hits the floor running hard and everything works out perfectly, then great. Give him all the minutes he can. But uh, there's very, there are a lot of questions because we just haven't seen him since preseason, which is three months ago now, four months ago. Well, Vogel did say that they kind of need to see what they've got. And so it's going to be that, that feeling out period. So I do wonder if, you know, heading into the trade deadline, I mean, none is getting workouts in before games. We're seeing him now out on the floor before games. Have to imagine his return isn't, can't be that far away, right? So, I do wonder if the Lakers just need to get him out there on the floor, see if he's a fit, and then you can have a little bit more information heading into the trade deadline, and that's part of the reason why. And yep. part of it, too, is they believe in him. Look, they paid him the minimum level exception, so part of it has to be, of course, that they believe in him. But I do think the upcoming trade deadline, his contract, the salary that would probably need to be in any kind of a bigger deal, that's probably a factor as well. And I also wonder if we almost see Frank Vogel doing a little Phil Jackson here. Like, hey, yeah, this guy's coming back and he's taking somebody's minutes. Just put yeah. it out there publicly, you know? I mean, isn't that coach lighting a fire through uh, under his guards through the media? Yeah, some subliminal messaging or uh, read between the lines kind of speak. Yeah, it could be, definitely. I mean, like I said, there are only, you know, so many minutes to go around on a nightly basis. And so when Kendrick Nunn comes back and if 
Vogel really is set on giving him, you know, a heavy dose of minutes, it's going to have to come from somewhere at the expense of someone else. Mm -hmm. And so uh, tonight's THT performance is great. And let me just say this too. Um, and I said this kind of in jest, but I was also, I was fairly serious about it. Uh, THT playing well is a win-win for the Lakers ahead of the trade deadline because uh -huh. A, he plays super well. And uh, you have a great young player on a very cost-controlled contract going forward. Great. Or you've got a very va valuable trade piece that, you know, is rehabbing his value night to night, which is, again, works in favor for the Lakers. So I I'm all for it. Personally, for me, I'd still like them to keep THD unless someone like Jeremy Grant becomes available in trade talks. But uh, that's neither here or there. And we'll probably talk about that <laughs> when we get closer to the trade deadline. But we'll see. I I've got a lot of people in the chat that right now they do not have diamond hands with THT. They are hitting the sell button. A lot, a lot of <laughs> a lot of people are saying sell, sell, sell. We can trade THT now. They're afraid of him of him turning back into um, the previous version of THT that we've been seeing for a while now. Um, but Matt, we need to get to the other topic here, the other big topic. I mean, we need to talk about Russ Russ and his turnovers. We need to talk about LeBron, his game, all that kind of stuff. Frank Vogel, after last game, he I talked know. all about how important it was that they continue to play small and that they needed to learn how to deal with, with bigger teams. And in tonight's game, nope, Dwight, go ahead, get in there, do your thing. What do we take away from this? That I don't I don't trust Vogel as much as I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought it was honestly confusing. Um, I even had my sister text me. Uh, she was like, how come they don't play Dwight more? And I said, well, I think they're committing to the small ball uh -huh. lineups more. Uh, and that was after his first shift. And then, lo and behold, we see him again in the second half. And I said, oh, this is interesting. Because um, if you're going to lean in, then lean in all the way, you know? Um, and this isn't to say that I don't think Dwight shouldn't be playing. I think Dwight absolutely deserves minutes. I think tonight was a good example of why. Um, but if if the philosophy here is, yes, we are a small ball team. We want to play faster. We want to space the floor more. You know, we want to keep those advantages and those driving lanes open. Then Then just do that, you know? And it sounded like to me that after the last game, they were going to just try and figure it out with the small ball lineup, even if they have a true center on the other team. Because, right. um, like, listen, like, I, I get Alex Len is is a bigger bruising center than Nas Reed, but at the same time, he's not going to absolutely kill you, I, I don't think, at least. Um, so I thought it was an interesting approach. And so now I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought that there was a moment where Vogel made the decision, where he made the choice, and it made sense why he did it. And I know he was set on small ball, but in this particular game, it made sense. And then I think Dwight was just so good, he had to leave him in. By the way, he did close with a small lineup. He went back to Carmelo he Anthony, did. which we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But what happened was Alex Len was in with the Kings bench unit and the Kings put Alex Len on Taylor Horton Tucker because yeah. then they could just camp Alex Len in the paint. And so I think Vogel looked at the situation and said, I'm not getting anything out of this. Playing small isn't giving us anything if their big is going to not care about Taylor Horton Tucker being behind the three-point line. And we can't trust THT at this point to hit those open threes that they're going to give him. So I don't get any benefit here. I still get a big camped out in the paint. So if that's going to be the case, why not force Alex Len to defend another big and give us a little bit more of a chance on the glass? And so he went to Dwight and then Dwight was great. And so then he just kept going with it. I think that was probably the calculation that took place in, in Frank Vogel's head. And it was the correct one, but just kind of funny that it comes on the heels of him refusing to go to Dwight in another game. And it, it almost cost the Lakers. Yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, it was frustrating to watch it happen the last game. And then I was fully prepared for it to be another issue tonight, uh, but I guess Vogel just couldn't resist the urge this time around and had to put Dwight in. And I think you're right. Like you said, Dwight came in, was an instant energizer. Uh, he does what he normally does, you know, grab rebounds, uh, defend the painted area. Um, he has a really good chemistry with Malik Monk on lobs. That they, they connected a few times for that, which was great to see. That's another element to the offense that we haven't seen because they've been playing so small recently. Mm. Uh, so that's a good, you know, that's an advantage, right, to playing a traditional big on the floor. So um, I, I think the answer here is probably somewhere in the middle, which is usually the case for any kind of issue or problem that you have, is that I think Dwight does deserve minutes, maybe less than the typical 15 to 20 that he used to get. Yeah. Maybe he's more of a 10 to 15 guy. But I definitely think he deserves to be on the floor just because uh, it'll cover up some of the rebounding and, and rim protection issues that Lakers have been having the past couple weeks. Well, And the ideal situation is not all small ball or 
all big lineups. The ideal situation is you can pick and choose based on what you need in that moment. And you can find sure. success in a lot of different ways. And that's what the Lakers did in 2020 when they won the championship. They adjusted to whatever other teams were throwing at them. And they found ways to beat teams because they were adaptable. That's the ultimate goal. But I think Frank Vogel was trying to get this team used to playing small ball. And then when need be, they could go back to the big lineup. But tonight, he he went with the big lineup and it, and it worked great. Um, we also saw the offensive glass. And part of this is Dwight. But... The Lakers won the offensive rebound. Now, the the Kings are a terrible team in terms of giving up offensive boards. They are yep. wor- they're worse than the Lakers on the season. Slightly. Just slightly worse than the Lakers on the season. But the Lakers had 14 offensive boards to 9 for the Kings. So the Lakers won that battle. The Lakers only turned the ball over 5 times all night. 18 turnovers for the Kings. This game really shouldn't have been this close. But the Lakers shot horrifically for most of the game, which is ironic because... In most games, we've seen the Lakers three-point shooting. That's really what's kind of kept them in games despite high turnovers and giving up on the offensive glass. They've they've been pretty efficient on the offensive end, and everything flipped in this one. I guess a win is a win, but just strange the way you get to it a completely different way than what you would expect. You know, it was funny. We were talking about the uh, shot attempt disparity from the last game, and today the Lakers shot 16 more times than the Kings did. 99 attempts to 83. Um, that's usually a good formula for a winning team, yep. right? The Lakers won the other end of it against Minnesota, and they somehow won. And then tonight, they shoot more and they win, which is, you know, the more predictable result mm-hmm. here. Um, and yeah, the Lakers started off shooting so bad in the first quarter, but then they ended the night almost at 50%. So, And, and a lot of that was that burst from LeBron. When LeBron yeah. went nuts in the fourth quarter, started getting to the rim, finishing, that helped bump up the Lakers' field goal percentage. So, it was, I mean, it was timely. Timely and uh, and much needed. Speaking of LeBron, 360 award. It's It was maybe going to be close when LeBron was clanking threes and just wasn't looking good. It's LeBron again. 31 points, 5 assists, 5 boards, 1 block. This wasn't even a great LeBron performance, but this now means 8 of the last 9 games, LeBron has scored more than 30 points. Incredible. We've got to get someone to track or tally who wins the awards so we can have like an end of the season recap. Because um, yeah. I feel like no one's else besides LeBron has won it since like November. It's, That's not true. Maybe the beginning of December. There were a few like good Russ games where he won every now and then. But yeah. Yeah, I think Russ had that stretch toward the end of November yeah. where he was really good. And that's probably where it came up. And then LeBron was in and out of the lineup. So that had to have been it. Uh, but otherwise, I just feel like this is not really a 360 award. It's just the, the six award. It's the six award. The it's, it's the LeBron award. Um, I've got Ice Cold Matt with a super chat said, Malik Monk game ball. He's on fire. Yeah. So let's just, let, I, I know we're going to lead into this. Maybe it's a little bit early in the show, but let's do the next man up award. So chat, let us know what you think. Who was it? Not LeBron, not Russ. Who was it that got the next man up award for you? And I think there's a few candidates in this one, I'll, I'll read you off some stats here. Malik Monk, 24 points, four boards, four assists, one steal, eight of 15 shooting, six of 11 from three. Nice performance from him. Taylor Horton Tucker, 19 points, six assists, two steals, uh, four boards, nine of 13 shooting. Dwight Howard, 14 boards, three assists, two steals, somehow no blocks, but 14 points for Dwight Howard. Uh, I think those are the three. Those are probably the three that you're going to be looking at for, for this award. So chat, let us know. I'm seeing some people fire off their takes, seeing a lot of a lot of monk, a lot of THT. Matt, who are you going with? You know, I was fully prepared to give THT the award right after halftime because uh-huh. <laughs> I thought it would just it's been his best performance in a while, and you got to reward the guy. But Malik Monk is so damn clutch, man. I I have no words at this point. He's been on fire the past like couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he scored 20 points five out of the last six nights at least. Um, I have to double check that, but uh, he was incredible. Uh, his two-man game with LeBron James in the fourth quarter, very impressive and very encouraging for, you know, closing lineups. If anytime they need a bucket, um, the outside shooting, can't really say more about it. Um, he's right, man. The right arm is strictly for buckets, Trevor. <laughs> I love that. I love that callback to Swaggy P, Nick Young. I didn't know he was doing that. I didn't know that was the reason for it, but that was that was very cool. He mentioned it after practice yesterday that he doesn't have any tattoos on his right arm because just like Nick Young, it's strictly for buckets. So I I am all here for Malik Monk being the Nick Young remix. That's awesome. Yes, 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 indeed. And Malik Monk has been great. We need to talk about him a little bit more 
but I'm actually going to go THT for mine. And maybe it's just, I don't blame it you. might just yeah. be voter fatigue, but I just feel like you got to reward THT after having that kind of performance because it's so big, not just for getting the win, but also for the Lakers opportunities on the trade market. And I'm not saying you have to trade him, but no. if there's an opportunity that's out there, it's going to go through Taylor Horton Tucker and a good Taylor Horton Tucker means the Lakers are going to have more chances to add pieces if they decide that's the path that they want to go down. So everything involved THT finally having a good game, shooting the ball, looking confident. I hope this means this is the guy who's going to be here for a while now. I hope this means this is the guy that we're going to see for the next however many weeks. He's trade eligible as of January 15th. Hopefully this is the version of THT we get all the way through then. And um, and then we'll see where things go from there. But great performance from him. And it was just just on a on a human level. For a guy who's been in such a funk. It was great to see him have a strong shooting performance and finally look like his confidence was back. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all for it. I know he's we've been, you know, a little hard on him the past couple of weeks or, you know, this past month, really, because mm -hmm. he's been struggling so much. Um, it's not easy. I mean, you know, some players are able to come back from COVID protocols and they look just fine, like they haven't missed a step. And then other players around the league have taken a little bit to get their feet back under them and it just you know, to playing basketball again. And I think that was the case for THT. So this is very encouraging. And, you know, on a personal note for myself, um, I would like to tell the Celtics fans in my uh, mansions to shove it after tonight. <laughs> God. They were upset that somebody in our chat had mentioned a Marcus Smart for Taylor Horton Tucker trade. And they clipped that from our show and then, and then ran with it anyway. Uh, yeah. Somebody said, Tariq Martin from Facebook said, Trevor's really reluctant to say positive things about Malik Monk. I just said last show that Malik Monk <laughs> is too good to take out of the starting lineup. He's phenomenal. He's, He's great. great. In fact, the only reason I didn't give it to Malik Monk was because one, I maybe a little bit of voter fatigue, but also because Matt picked Malik Monk. So I knew whichever one Matt picked, I was going with the other one just to create a little bit more conversation because they're pretty darn close in my mind. Uh, I, would have, I would have picked the other one too. Had you picked Monk, yeah. I would have picked THT, so I don't blame you. Um, guys, just because we omit stuff doesn't mean we don't think guys are great. That's um, He is... I can't think of a better value signing this offseason, and I'm not trying to be biased. I just genuinely can't think of who else you could have got I on mean, a minimum that you got this same level of production. Somebody asked that. This is one of our super chats that I've got on my list that I need to get to, but somebody said, "Is has there been a oh. better value... I can think of one. Otto Porter Jr.? Yep. Yep. Yeah, we've spent too much time we together, have. man. We have. Yeah. It's exactly the person I was thinking of. Uh, all right. Let me get into a few more of these uh, these questions coming in. Uh, oh, I've, I've had some questions about can the Lakers, like this person said, Will, uh, said, what are your thoughts on Malik Monk tonight and overall on the season? Uh, we just kind of talked about him. But I had, I've had people saying, can the Lakers keep Malik Monk? I was going to ask you this because I don't think they have full bird rights. They only have early bird rights Correct. after this year, right? Yeah. yeah, because it's only one year of service. So they can pay him slightly more and go above the cap. Um, but I am honestly at this point expecting him to get at least the mini med level from somewhere else at the very minimum, I feel like. Well, and that's the Lakers could give him that if they want. They they could use an exception for him. Which one would would they have the biannual next year? Uh yes, because they use it, hard but using yeah. the biannual would hard cap you. So if you're kind of looking at the same situation, but uh but the mini mid level would be there for them to use next year if they want, and they could use that on Malik. Now it's possible somebody comes in and says, Hey Malik, here's 10 million. Take that. Great right? question though, because Kendrick Nunn's technically for next year for mid mini mid level too. Doesn't matter. It's it's not a once you it's you get it back next year. If you sign the mini mid level for two years, it's not like that disappears the next year and you don't eat up that slot the following uh, year and then he's just under contract at that point i gotta watch more that's what it is nba front office that's show. what it is check out nba front office everybody um okay let me get into a few more of your your questions and your chats here you know i do want to focus a lot on this game and we've got a lot of questions that don't pertain specifically to this game so before i get into a lot of these other chat questions we need to talk about russ we would be remiss if we didn't get there. Zero sure. turnovers. From what Twitter tells me, this is the first time he's done it since 2016. No turnovers yeah. in a game for Russ. Plus 17 on the night, which is a team high. Only two assists and seven for 19 shooting. I had a lot of people complaining about Russ's shooting in this one, which is fair. He didn't shoot the ball well. 0 for 1 from 3. Yeah. Got a lot of shots in the mid-range that didn't go. But what did you think of Russ's performance tonight? 
And do you think in any way this was a response to how upset he got after the last game when people were asking him again about the turnovers? I, you know, I think it's just, I think it's purely uh -huh. coincidental, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I will say, I don't think he tried to force as many passes as he normally does. There were a couple, you know, you know, decisions I thought were questionable, but that luckily didn't result in a turnover. Um I don't necessarily think it's a response. I mean, you uh -huh. could definitely tell he's frustrated every time someone asks him, hey, what was going on with the turnovers, right? Yeah, I would get annoyed because, you know, this isn't the first time someone's asked him that in a post-game presser. Um, so what did I think of Russ's game tonight? I mean, it, it was interesting to me because I, I didn't really feel like I was watching Russ much of the night at all. Like, I felt like the actions were everywhere else. I feel like he didn't really have the ball in his hand as often as he possibly did, which also is probably why he didn't have as many turnovers. Um... Yeah, it was it was kind of a muted effort from Russ, honestly. I know 19 points and seven boards isn't, you know, nothing. But for by his standards, he didn't play with the same energy or force that I think we're used to. Like, I'm trying to think off the top of my... I know the game just happened, but I'm trying to think of, like, a, a Russ play from tonight. And I'm having trouble thinking uh, about it. There were a couple of, of takes he had driving to the rim that stood out to me. There was a big rebound that he grabbed. That's, yeah. the, that's probably the one I'm thinking of, too. Yeah. But outside of that, I, you know, I, I guess... You know, doing less is doing more in yeah. <laughs> from okay. the Lakers' so perspective. So this, let's let's go to football here. Do the Lakers need a game manager instead of uh, a deep ball risk taker at at quarterback? Is that what the Lakers? Because mm. that's kind of what we got out of Russell Westbrook tonight. Is more of a game manager point guard. No turnovers. Didn't didn't put up some gaudy stats, but didn't turn the ball over either. Right. Is that because some teams succeed with, I mean, think about the Patriots, right. With, with Mac Jones, who's more of just a game manager, but it's working for them. Is that really what the Lakers need? And if so, that's not really what Russ is, but we saw success with that tonight. Yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good question. Honestly, I, I think, you know, game manager is a good way to put it when mm -hmm. LeBron James is on the floor. Um, it's kind of like this, um, Fantasy football just ended, so it's still running through my head a lot. But, you know, you, you put in the players that have more upside mm -hmm. or that can blow up on for your week, or do you put in the players that when you're projected to win, you just, you know, you get the points and you take those. Uh, to me, Russ is more of the stable floor guy. Um, he needs to be more of the stable floor guy when LeBron's available and playing as well as he has been. But if LeBron's out and, you know, Anthony Davis is back or, you know, if both of them are out ever, uh, then you're going to need Russ to do more, right? That's when you need the uh, the quarterback that wants to push it down the, the, mm -hmm. the field, right? So I, I think when LeBron is playing this well, when you've got other people stepping up, Malik Monk and THT, I think Russ doesn't have to take on as much of a burden, doesn't have to be as risky with the ball, doesn't right. have to try and force too much, doesn't have to play as fast. Um, but on nights where, you know, no one else has it, if the team's flat for whatever reason, then that's probably when you want the energetic Russell Westbrook, the one that's pushing the pace, playing at like fat, the, like breakneck speed. That's the guy that's, that's going to take everybody else with him. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. comment here from Facebook said, why pay 44 million for a game manager? And that's, and that's fair. That, that, that's absolutely fair. And, that's and fair. Yeah. what I'm saying is, is that something that you consider moving forward? If that's just how this team is better, I'm not saying that you can move Russell Westbrook this season, but if if it turns out that really you just need a point guard that's going to cut down on turnovers and is going to not lose the game for you and is going to do kind of 3 and D style things, that's not Russ. So does that, I don't know, does that change a, a decision for the Lakers front office or something? Maybe one season expiring contract in the offseason. Just something to factor in. But again, overall, Based on what we've seen this season, this is a much better version of Russell Westbrook. I'll certainly take this version of Russ over the one we saw in the previous game that had nine turnovers and was more dynamic, but he also hurt them more, I think, than he helped because of the turnovers. Yeah, I mean, I'm really starting to think about the game and how it played out in my head, and I do feel like because... You know, we had Malik yes. Monk doing so many things, scoring the basketball, namely. Russ doesn't have to assume that burden anymore. And I'd have to think that it's similarly to the case when Anthony Davis finally comes back. Um, maybe we see this version of Russ more where, you know, he's not necessarily tentative, but he's picking his spots a little bit more and doesn't feel the pressure of having to be the third star every single night where he can delegate a little bit and get other people going. I think that's ideally the Russ that's going to settle in for the Lakers. I think that's when they're going to be at their best. But... You know, why are the Lakers paying 44 million? Well, they made this trade all the way back in August and they were expecting Russ to be a third superstar. Um, but now that we have more data on the team, now that we see what it looks like on the floor, I think 
you know, the game manager analogy makes a little bit more sense. And maybe that's the route that ultimately takes the Lakers to the next step as a team. But I guess we'll just have to see. This is exactly. one game. Um, this is a one game sample against also another bad team. Um, it, it'd be interesting to me to see how Russ handles it when they're playing against better competition and they're trailing versus when they're neck and neck or even ahead. You need a middle ground. You need <laughs> right. Yeah. Like everything. You right? need an aggressive attacking <laughs> Russell Westbrook. Yeah but one who doesn't turn the ball over too much. So one who's not, maybe not pedal to the metal, but pedal 75% down, right? Limit the turnovers, but still get some of the dynamic play. And again, overall, I thought this was a very controlled game from Russell Westbrook, and that's what the Lakers needed tonight. So credit to him, right? Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, Russ had a muted effort, like I said earlier, but it resulted in a win, and that's all no. you can really... He didn't kill the team. Like, you literally can't point at the box score and say, oh, yeah, look at all these turnovers. Like, you know, he hurt the team. Like, no, he didn't. He took care of the ball. He played pretty decently on both ends, I felt like. The shooting wasn't great, obviously. Um, if you could just eradicate, you know, three or four mid-range attempts a game, I bet Russ mm -hmm. is a much more efficient shooter. Because <laughs> uh, you and I were texting about it mid-game, like, why would Russ take that shot? Or like, oh, that's not a good look, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you remove some of that. Um, sub those in for more high quality looks or passes. Then we're talking about a different player. All right. Entirely. I've got a few super chats coming in here. Avi B asking about selling THT for a three and D player. Matt Riggs said, should we trade him for Jeremy Grant? Um, yeah. Should we? Yes. Can we though? Or will That's we? That's the question. That's the question. I was joking during the game that like Rob Palenka is texting Troy Weaver right now. Like, Hey, turn on NBA TV. Look, look what THT is doing tonight. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He fits their timeline pretty well. I yeah. mean, they've got what? Cade, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey. Uh, if you add THU, that makes yeah. that's kind of interesting. Sorry, that's me being... <laughs> but yes, I mean, I think it's something... If that's on the table, it's something you have to consider. But remember, it wouldn't be just THT. It would be THT, Kendrick Nunn. Who knows what he's going to bring? Remember, the Lakers were high on him in the offseason. Uh, plus something else, a uh, veteran minimum guy would have to go in there as well. And I think that's where it gets tricky, right? What if the Pistons say Malik Monk has to be that veteran minimum guy? What if what if they say I know most people probably say no. What if they say Austin Reeves has to be that that minimum guy? You know, as much as it pains me to say this, I probably would do it if it was for Reeves. Um, we need to talk about Reeves, by the way. We'll get into him in just a minute. Yeah, but this is oh God. Do I? No, I think. I, I switch. I changed my mind. I think it would be Monk because I don't think the Lakers can keep him after this season. Okay. So, I think that would be my answer. Did you notice Austin Reeves kind of got frozen out on the offensive end, especially in the, in the first half in this game? A little bit. And and part of that was part of it was THT was going, and so he kind of took those those looks. But there were some times where Reeves was open and the they didn't get him the ball. They just didn't. And that's this is the first time I've really seen that this season. Most games, the Lakers have been totally fine putting the ball in Austin Reeves' hands and, and trusting him to make the right decision. And I'm not saying they suddenly don't trust him or anything because we saw him get the ball plenty in the second half. It just kind of was a strange, and it's probably just coincidence, but it was just kind of a strange spell where the ball would swing, 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 and never touch Austin Reeves' hands on the offensive end. You know, I know the, the size or the positional uh, size isn't, you know, the position, the positional size in general doesn't match. But, you know, every time I watch Austin Reeves, I kind of think of him kind of like Joe Ingles. Okay. Yeah. You know, spots up, moves the ball, makes quick decisions, plays good defense. That's that's kind of how I imagine Reeves or what I what I imagine Reeves' role is on this team. Uh, I just watched the Jazz a couple times this past week. And so every time I watch Joe Ingles, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like what Reeves does, too. Um so that, that's, I think, his ideal role. So I think there are going to be a lot of nights where he's not going to look to shoot. And like you said, THT was playing so well offensively mm -hmm. that there weren't many shots to go around in general. Um, there were a couple, and this happens every game, but I still think Reeves is a little bit too tentative with the ball. There are a couple times where I think he can absolutely take that shot and it's still within the and flow of the offense. And he's kicking it out instead. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's pumping and driving and kicking, which is mm -hmm. great. You know, like fundamentally, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that, you know, you do have a look. You're more than welcome to take it. And I think no one on the team would blame him for taking certain shots. But I think it's that rookie conundrum of what do I do? Do I defer? Should I be more aggressive here? Uh, I've got this guy going, so maybe I should try to get him the ball. Mm -hmm. I think that's that was more of it. I don't really, you know, I don't really think it's too much to uh, read into other than it was just within the flow of the game. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think too much into it. But I do think that he still had a 
pretty solid night. Uh, he was, uh, what was he, plus 10 with no points? <laughs> yeah, plus 10 with no points. He only took one shot, but two boards, one assist. Defensively, he made some smart rotations. I had a few people saying De'Aaron Fox blew by him a couple times. Who, who doesn't blows De'Aaron by Fox blow by? I mean, that... Austin Reeves did a good job just challenging, contesting, trying to make him take tough shots. And that's that's all you can do in that situation. And that's what um, the Lakers are looking for from him. So I thought he was just uh, fine. Yeah, goes to show you that if you don't make mistakes and you just play well, and you know where you're supposed to be on the floor at all times, you can make a positive impact without filling up a box score. That's really the job of like a role player. It really just, is. Just don't hurt the team. Just You don't have to carry the team on your back to a win. That's not That's not your job. Go out there, execute, don't hurt the team. That's that's what yeah. you have to do. You don't you don't get you know counting stats for spacing the floor and rotating. You know, uh, Earl Lando, nineteen ninety, says one win down. Let's get another so Matt can have a great birthday. Oh, what a great man! I like Thank that. Thank you so much. What a great early birthday gift. I like that. This was awesome. Um, let's. I'm getting a lot of questions about Stanley Johnson, so we need to talk about this. Oh, we, we yeah, I was we need say, to because Trevor Reza got the start tonight. Yes, so let's get into this. So, and I've got a lot of people saying that. Um, Ariza was not good. So we can talk about that. But Mook Morris uh, from YouTube said, it would be foolish to not guarantee Avery's contract and not re-sign Stanley this week. Any other trade suggestions? So not getting into the trade suggestions, but uh, Stanley Johnson, where was he? What's going on here with with this whole situation? And I guess, first of all, Avery Bradley, I feel like his contract is very safe. I don't feel like we need to spend a lot of time on it. January 7th, that's the date that the Lakers have to make a decision by. I would be shocked if they did not guarantee his contract. Yes, same. I think he's been starting. It would be weird to cut a guy that's been in your starting lineup. And that's kind of the same conundrum for Stanley Johnson too, right? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about what's going on with Stanley Johnson. Why he was not out there with the Lakers tonight. Um, the Lakers, what they're doing, they, they want to keep him. He wants to stay. Teams are not allowed to sign 10-day contracts until tomorrow. January 5th is when they're allowed to sign 10-day contracts. And I know some people are saying, what do you mean? Well, there have been over 100 players who have signed 10-day contracts. Ah, but that is a hardship contract that's different than a traditional 10-day. A traditional 10-day contract can't be signed until tomorrow. And right now, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, I guess it would be today. That's when they can sign. January 5th is when they can sign those. But... Uh, hardship contracts were being signed in order to allow teams to play games, right? Because they had so many players who were out. The Lakers don't qualify for a hardship contract anymore because they have so many players who are back. Everybody is essentially back out of COVID protocols with the exception of, of course, David Fisdale. So Stanley Johnson has to wait until tomorrow to sign a 10-day contract. Now, had the Lakers decided to just sign him for the remainder of the season, they could have done that and had him play tonight. Obviously, that is not the path they're going down. What do you think about that decision? Obviously, they're going towards a 10-day contract with Stanley Johnson. Where do you stand on that? Um, I think it's just kind of delaying the inevitable Mm -hmm. in my mind. Um, I mean, and you're going to have to correct me on this, but I believe that has tax ramifications too, right? Depending on when he signs. Right. So if they just sign him to multiple 10-day contracts and then at a later date, sign him to a rest-of-the-season deal, which they could absolutely do. Uh, it would be for a prorated amount for the veteran minimum. And I forget what year or age experience bracket that Stanley Johnson is, but it would be pretty cheap for the Lakers to do it that way. Uh, kind of similar to how they signed Andre, Andre Drummond last year after mm-hmm. he got bought out, right? Um, so I think I wouldn't sweat too much if I was a Lakers fan about Stanley Johnson being on the Lakers for the rest of the season. I think that's absolutely coming. Um it's a little odd to me that it would be a little odd for me to real to think about the team not signing him for the rest of the season after they started him for a handful of games. Uh, I know they were short on players, but I don't think you would do that for a, a guy you literally signed off the street. Um, there were so yeah, there were moments where Trevor Ariza would do something and he looked a little bit slow, and I was like, "Is it Sammy just Johnson is it just Ariza's thirty six or thirty whatever he is now thirty six or thirty seven? Is it just that he's that age or is it we've been watching Stanley Johnson in that role for the last few games now and he was much, much quicker. And so it's really standing out that Ariza's not that quick. No, I I, I think it's exactly that. Um, I think at this point, Ariza's best on threes and, and fours, really more than twos and threes. Um, well, actually, sorry, just twos. I don't really trust him guarding guards too much just yeah. because of the foot speed. Uh, Stanley Johnson is very much in his physical prime, so he can definitely do that. And so, yeah, watching the two players side by side, you can definitely see it tell the uh, speed difference or the lateral quickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, but going back to my earlier point, I'm not worried. I think Stanley Johnson's going to be a Laker for the rest of the year. Um, it's just a matter of when he's going to sign that rest of the season contract. I I wouldn't be surprised if the first Shams or Woj tweet tomorrow is Stanley Johnson signs another 10-day contract with the Lakers. I would be. I would be surprised. You, you think I, so? I think it's not going to happen until Friday. Why Friday? Because that's their next game. Why would they not sign him tomorrow and then get a practice in? Yeah, I mean, if they're if they're but if they're really worried about him practicing, like he didn't practice yesterday, didn't play in the game today, the longer you delay this, let me, here's the benefit: if you delay, you don't sign him till Friday, right? Then you're talking about potentially if you do two ten day contracts, you can get through almost to the end of January on ten day contracts. Oh, I see what you're saying. Got what it. what comes up in yeah. February? The trade deadline. That just gives the Lakers a window to absorb somebody in a trade because you have an open roster spot. And I'm not saying that that means that, oh, they no longer sign Stanley Johnson. I'm saying you could take on a guy with a non-guaranteed contract and then cut him. Whereas if you find yourself in a trade situation all the way through the month of January where you need a roster spot for it, you don't have that. You don't have that. You have to cut somebody on the team in order to make that trade work if you sign Stanley Johnson right now. So the flexibility... I'm sorry. Yes, but there's some major financial ramifications of doing that. So the benefit of going this route is you get flexibility for a month in terms of having that open roster spot to try to work a deal. The downside is you also risk losing Stanley Johnson. He's a free agent right now. He can go sign with any team he wants. And so that's what you're risking at the moment. Um, Hopefully the Lakers are doing this though having talked to him and they have an agreement in place and they say, look, we really want this flexibility, but we love what you've done. Will you be okay with, with this? And again, the report from Dave McBenamin was that there's mutual interest in coming back. Yep. To me, that suggests that the Lakers have a, some sort of wink, 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 wink agreement in place with him. Like, Hey, we're going to do this on 10 day contracts and then we'll sign you for the rest of the season. No, that's exactly my expectation, and I feel like Stanley wants to be a Laker. He's talked about it previously, so we don't have to talk about that too much, but uh, my standing on that is um, I was actually a little worried because, like you said, he was a free agent, so I thought in my head, oh, he basically had a really good audition for the Lakers, but I'm sure the 29 other teams saw that. I wonder if anyone would be you know, bold enough to sign him for the rest of the season today. Yeah. that's, that's So that was my concern. worry. If, if that happens, the, the, the Lakers are going to look really bad. Yeah, they fumbled it. They, yeah, they, they will. This will be egg on their face. They'll they'll look bad if he turns around and signs with another team. But I, again, I have to think that if they thought that was a possibility, or if they didn't talk to him ahead of time, didn't have an understanding, they would have just offered him the full contract right now. Yeah, I think so too. I think if there was an imminent threat or or you know more interest around the league, then they would have just signed him today outright. Mm-hmm. But given that you know he didn't get signed today, that tells me that yeah, he's probably going to come back um, later this week. So, Lakers fans, don't worry, he's coming back. Our our boy Stanley Johnson's going to be in purple and gold. Uh, question coming in with a super chat said, "Do you think THT gets traded on January fifteenth? So like the second no. he's trade eligible, no, he's out." That would be Kyle Kuzma style. The second his salary jumped up to that 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 what was it was thirteen million or whatever it was, they traded him that day, July first. He was gone. Um, I don't think it's going to be January fifteenth that you trade him. I think that there's going to be like if you're going for if it's Christian Wood, if it's Jeremy Grant, if it's Miles Turner, whoever it is that's out there, that team is probably going to be fielding offers for a bit because there's a number of teams that are interested in those guys. So I wouldn't anticipate. Like, I wouldn't set an alarm on January 15th, like, hey, THT's getting traded today. I wouldn't, don't expect it. No, I wouldn't expect it. It's one game and we're trying to sell them already, but, you know, other teams are smarter <laughs> than us, yeah. really. And so they they know. Um, and, you know, I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast, I think it was a few days ago, and I'm, uh-huh. maybe you've heard it too, but he was talking about potential Jeremy Grant trades. And, you know, he didn't sound, you know, not pessimistic, but he didn't rule out the Lakers having the best trade offer for him because mm-hmm. uh, you go through around the league who will, I can't, obviously every team would want a Jeremy Grant, but who actually has trade packages available? And I think he brought up Utah as a, a potential suitor yeah. and then ironically Denver as another like good fit for mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you and Keith have talked about it a little bit, but I don't really know what other trade packages out there that are attractive enough for, for Detroit. Yeah, those are some teams that we that we did. I think we actually talked about a little bit today um, as potential landing spots, as teams who might have some motivation to make a move like that. And so, yeah, there, there will be other suitors out there. 
but I don't think it's going to be a ton, particularly if Stanley Johnson has some requirements in terms of what he's going to get contractually on his next deal. He's not a free agent this offseason, but the season after, he is. And so that might be a factor in the discussion Wait, you, as well. Did you mean Jeremy Grant or Stanley Johnson? Oh, sorry. I meant I meant Jeremy Grant. Did I say oh. I said Stanley Johnson? Yeah, I was yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. We <laughs> um, right. No, I was just going to say uh, Jeremy Grant, I believe, has one more year after this year, and then he's a free agent. So that might play a factor, but that lines up with the Lakers' timeline. So I can't imagine they'd be concerned about that too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I know Jeremy Grant is going to be a popular name. You're going to hear today all the way up until the trade deadline for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And trust me, we're all going to be pretty sad when it comes to pass that no trade happened. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know what? Sometimes the best trade is, is the one that you don't, the one make. You don't make. Yeah, that, that can be a thing too. So I know, the, I know the chat just spammed Russell Westbrook right now. As soon as we said that, <laughs> I, all right. I just know it. Yeah, that's, I'm sure that's happening. Oh, somebody asked, what happened at the end with the jump ball call? So, Oh, yes. The Kings, so Al, Al Gentry was furious. Like, he, he looked like he was trying to get himself thrown out of the game. I don't blame him. I understand why the Kings were mad. So, here's what happened. Uh, free throw goes up, and it's missed. Everybody leaves, right? And both, both teams, they go down the floor, and De'Aaron Fox is the only one there to rebound. And De'Aaron Fox, recognizing that he's the only one there to rebound, doesn't grab the ball. Yes, because he did, he wants to let the ball bounce towards half court more, and not start the clock. Well, the scoreboard operator started the clock anyway. De'Aaron Fox pointed that out. The referee stopped the game to adjust the clock. But the problem was De'Aaron Fox didn't grab the ball, so he didn't have possession of the basketball because he didn't want the clock to start. But because of that, because it was a, a clock error, and no one had possession of the ball by league rule, that becomes a jump ball. Now I understand why the Kings were upset because. Darren Fox is standing right. There was no one else around. It was clearly going to be his ball, but technically he had not possessed the ball yet. And so by rule, that's, it became a jump ball and the Lakers got the ball off of it. Yeah. I mean, if you're a referee, you have to play it by the book, right? You don't really have a, uh, there's really no loophole or anything. It's just, it's in the rule book, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those dumb little quirks that you don't really see too often because procedurally speaking, what normally happens, Trevor, uh, miss free throw, player grabs ball, instant timeout, advance the ball to half court. Yes. That's generally speaking what happens. Uh, but De'Aaron Fox uh, got, got played a little bit there and yeah. it cost them a possession, which is unfortunate for them, but fortunate for the Lakers. So, uh, Vector Nova said, I like the way THT played tonight, played to his strengths and not being hidden away in the corner where he's being wasted. His mid-range game should be fostered and, and would really open up his game. Yeah, I mean, part of it is the Kings are not a good defensive team, so that's something we have to factor in. But I also yes. thought he was a lot more assertive getting to the basket. We saw him play bully ball. We saw him knocking defenders off of him. He even picked up an offensive foul, which I was fine with. Uh, I thought we saw a much more aggressive THT, and that was great. That was great. I love, love seeing that out of him. Uh, I think he, there's also a point to be made that, yeah, if you put him in the corner as your floor spacer, no. That's a waste because nobody's going to defend him. He's shooting, what, like 20% from three or something like that? Made 23%? Broke the look. streak tonight, Trevor. He did hit one. How long had it been? I think someone tweeted it out. I have to fact check it, but I think it's it's it, the last time he hit a, hit a three was before COVID protocol. So this that's at least seven games. I'm checking it right now. Last time he hit a three was December, December. 12th. Yeah, I was going to say something like, something like mid-December, yep. right? December yeah. 12th was the last time he hit a three. Hallelujah. It's like, uh, to quote Rob Palenka, mana falling from the heavens. <laughs> and he is 21% from three on the season. Yikes. Not, not never crazy. a good time. when Never good when uh, your three-point shooting percentage is the same as your age. <laughs> no, no. Unless you're older. <laughs> unless you're older. Unless, unless you're LeBron. LeBron can do that. That's fine. You know what's funny? I think LeBron is shooting around 37%, isn't he? Oh, I can go look. But uh, Paul Perinello <laughs> said, uh, Buddy Heald killed the Lakers. Uh, he's true. Yeah, we should probably talk about that too. that's <laughs> why you bet the over with the over on, under on buddy healed his 18 points because you knew that was coming you knew it was coming you knew that buddy healed was gonna have a revenge game and people say what do you mean oh. revenge game he was never a laker the lakers had a trade in place for him this last offseason that at the very last minute said no just kidding we want russell westbrook instead uh, yes, for anyone that tuned into the last show, this was akin to my dating analogy for the night. Um, but anyone who missed it, I'm going to repeat it for you. Uh, Buddy Heald was the girl that got left at the altar, basically. Yep. And the Lakers 
went ahead and eloped with Russell Westbrook. So <laughs> unfortunate. And uh, the over bet was funny because Trevor and I were talking about player prop bets beforehand and I was very nervous about Buddy Hield. And he was like, it's it's Buddy Hield against the Lakers. And I was like, you're right. And so I took it. Uh, LeBron is indeed shooting 37% from, oh, look at that. from three this season. This How season. funny. See, that's good. Yeah, that is good. That is good. You'll take that. All right, let me get into a few more of these. Uh, even at age 37, I'm more comfortable seeing Carmelo Anthony in the low post than Anthony Davis. Oh, that's a little much. I'm not. I'm not. AD was leading the NBA in points in the paint. Yeah, it's nuts. Before he, before he got hurt. If you're talking about mid-range jumpers, sure. You're sure, right. Yeah. Uh, but if you're talking like in the actual paint, no. That uh, is very much an Anthony Davis area. <laughs> Vincent Gonzalez says, is there a reason Wayne Ellington hasn't played recently? I think ah. the, the players in front of him are just playing well. They're yeah. just, that's, it's just a, a minute's crunch and everybody in front of him isn't, nobody's fumbling the ball. So the opportunity is not there. At some point, they'll probably call upon him to, to get in there. But right now is not that time because there's nobody that's dropping the ball at the moment. Hey, Trevor, I'm going to throw a crazy idea at you. Yeah. Say no, maybe it's not that crazy, but say the Lakers need to open up a roster spot, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think we can both agree that it would cost them a draft pick to move off of DeAndre Jordan. We just saw the Utah Jazz complete a trade today, yep, to uh offload. I think it was Mie Oni mm -hmm. and a 2028 second going to Oklahoma. Sam Presti stays collecting picks, <laughs> give me all the picks, all the picks. Yep, um, that man has drafted so many high school freshmen and eighth graders. <laughs> um or traded for sorry but um so i think we're in agreement that if the lakers want to open up a roster spot whether it be for trade or to sign a buyout guy whatever mm -hmm. uh, that's it's probably the cost to move off deandre jordan right um yes would it be crazy if they made wayne ellington available because i'm sure they can get something for him it wouldn't be crazy i don't think it would be crazy especially if kendrick nunn comes back and he's playing well um, exactly because it's a minutes crunch right yeah it's a minutes crunch so no and, and if there's something out there that you really want like if you if you are offloading Ellington saying, hey, somebody just come take him. Right. It's got to be for a reason. It's got to be, hey, we know somebody's going to be hitting the buyout market exactly. and, and we're yeah. going to get and we're going to get this guy. So I think that's that's where you would do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's too early to talk about buyout candidate guys, yeah. but I'm just there are going to be at least a couple interesting ones, I think, um, around February that I think would help the Lakers out. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's, if they don't want to part with any draft compensation to get rid of DeAndre Jordan, then I definitely think that, you know, moving off of Wayne Ellington for, you know, like a pretty protected, like a top 45 or 40 second round pick or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's definitely, you know, within the cards, but I mean, my expectation is DeAndre Jordan's gone. Charles Walton Jr. says, Trevor, we can waive Jordan and Bazemore. Yes, but then you eat those salaries. You eat salaries, and I and I know people just say, "Who cares? We don't care about the luxury tax." Well, the Lakers do. The Lakers, the Lakers clearly do. So if you eat those salaries rather than trade them and get them off your books, then you're not just paying the salaries; you're paying the luxury tax on those salaries as well, which is where it, I mean, it really jumps up in terms of how much you're paying. So it gets very, very expensive to do something like that. So that's it's... why it's unlikely to do that. You're more likely to see the Lakers pay someone with a second round pick to take DeAndre Jordan than you are to see DeAndre Jordan just waived. Yeah, I mean, the Rajon Rondo trade was kind of like a perfect storm for the Lakers with the Ricky Rubio injury, which was unfortunate for the Cavaliers. Uh, yes. They were able to open up a spot or more organically that way without having to give up anything other than I think it was 1.1 million to the Knicks. I think that's what it was. Um... Yeah, I think with that trade, the Lakers lowered themselves into a like one tier lower of the luxury tax bracket with just that one move. Mm -hmm. But even then, I still wouldn't expect them to just eat Kent Bazemore, DeAndre Jordan's salary. Yeah, um, it would have to come in a trade, and that's why we suggested you know maybe if you need to really open up a roster spot urgently, then you make Wayne Ellington available. But my expectation is they'll offer some sort of asset for DeAndre Jordan. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's the way they're going to go. All right, we do need to get into the master lock of the night. I've got a few more questions that we're going to get into too as well, but we're running long uh, as usual. Matt, when you and I get together, we just wind up we wind up doing these marathon shows just the way it's it goes. It's a fun time. It is. It's a good time. But let's What's talk say about your other guests. Nothing. It just just says that they're not quite as as long-winded as as you are on on basketball topics, I guess. Oh. They they don't mix in and I'm not saying that in a bad way. They don't mix in the relationship analogies. That's like, true. Like you do. So that's true. So there Sean, you go. Chris, whoever else has hopped on the show, get on that, guys. 
<laughs> so let's talk about the master lock of the night. What was it from this game that you would like to put in the master lock? And chat, let us know. Give us your thoughts on who should be put in the master lock. Is it is it someone from the king? Someone from the Lakers? Is it an overall concept? Let us know your thoughts. Matt, what are you putting in the master lock? Sacramento Kings GM Monty McNair for not giving us Damian Jones. Oh, good one. Good one. Yes. You know we couldn't go through the whole show without going through Damian Jones. Yes. Right, Damian Jones, uh, this is what we've heard. Damian Jones was the Lakers' plan. The Lakers expected the Kings not to pick up that extra year. They were going to bring him back, and Damian Jones would be on this team and not DeAndre Jordan. Ouch. Thanks, Kings. Thanks, yeah. Kings. Yep, so I'm, I'm going uh, the general manager for the Sacramento Kings here. Because there wasn't really anything from the game that you know bothered me. I mean, the, the next thing was Buddy Heald because it's just annoying watching sort of almost future Lakers blow up against the Lakers. But uh, I can't blame the guy for being spiteful, so I'm going to go with the GM. So I am going to go with something else. I'm going to go for the play that drove me absolutely crazy. And I hate to do it because I like him a lot. Carmelo Anthony. Oh, God. You're get, we texted, you're get, we, you're we both the texted each other that. Yes. Yeah, we texted each other about it. Yeah. End of the third quarter. Lakers are up four. Shot clock is turned off. Lakers have the ball with about 16 seconds left. No shot clock. All you got to do is dribble it out, take the last shot. Carmelo Anthony steps in to a three with nine seconds left on the clock. The Kings come down the other way. He misses it. The Kings come down the other way and score four point game goes to a two point game going into the fourth quarter. And this is a close battle back and forth. This could have really mattered. And Carmelo Anthony as a veteran knows better than to do that. And again, I don't want to criticize him too much because I think overall Melo was pretty good. He had a nice stretch in the third towards the end of the third where he got hot, really kind of fueled the Lakers offense with LeBron off the floor. I, I don't want to dig into him too much here, but that play that's exactly why you don't do that. That's exactly why you don't do that. And it was something that you don't expect to see out of a veteran player. So that play is my master lock. Yeah, this might sound crazy to some people, but if he made that shot, it's still a bad shot. Yeah. It's it's not a good process. We I preach process all the time. Uh, even if Carmelo Anthony makes that shot, you still give the Kings, what was it, nine, eight seconds to respond and, mm -hmm. and score back. So it essentially negates what you just did. Um, so, yeah, no, I texted you, too. I think I even tweeted it. I, you know, it's a rare mistake from someone like Carmelo who knows better, like you said. And I I don't blame him. I think he had hit two or three jump shots right before that. Right. So I guess I get it. the heat check. Yeah, I get the heat check, but it's just not the right time for it. Like, you know, whittle the clock down, take some more time off, make sure they don't get another shot. And, you know, I would have been fine if that shot came at the end of the clock. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, that, if that's your last second shot, okay. Totally fine. Fine. Sure. But you have to run the clock down in that situation. You can't give the ball back to Sacramento and give them an opportunity to score the basketball. It's like leaving too much time on the clock and, and giving the ball to, to Tom, Brady Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or something like that. You just, you just don't do it. You don't do it. I'm not saying the Kings are some offensive juggernaut or anything like that, but... Teams in the NBA can score, particularly off of a missed shot when they're in transition, and that's exactly what the Kings did, and it could have really hurt the Lakers in this game. Uh, here's my uh, dating analogy for the night. It's uh -oh. kind of like when she hasn't texted you back all day, and she finally, and you finally see the three dots oh. in the text thread coming up, mm -hmm. and Carmelo's like, gotta shoot my shot real quick while she's on her phone. So there it is. Oh, it's a little too eager beaver. There you go. Uh, Dre Johnson said, is there a trade package we can do to pick up Tory Craig? I'd have to go and look up his salary, but yeah, if you can't, I don't can't, think it's that much. Yeah. I'm sure there's something they could put together. Probably something around Kendrick Nunn. I'd have to go look and see though, how much he makes. That's actually funny because earlier in the show, I was going to ask you, I, I wonder why we haven't really explored too many one, one for one deals with Kendrick Nunn's contract. Cause I'm sure there are a bunch of $5 million players that could be useful, but, uh, that would require more research. Well, and this is part of why I think Frank Bogle is saying he's going to give a lot of minutes to Kendrick Dunn because they got to find out what they've got here with him. They, they got to find yeah. out, does he, does he fit? Is he the, is he the guy that we think he's going to be? And then go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Tory Craig's only at 4.8 million. So you could do, that just do a, you could do a straight across swap of Tory Craig for Kendrick Dunn. If that's what you wanted to do. I mean, crazy enough as this is Trevor, we're basically at the halfway point of the season already. We are. There are third. That's the Lakers just played their 39th game. There are only 43 left to go. Time flies. 
Time flies. Um, Time flies on a roller coaster, apparently. <laughs> do you guys think we got away from the lob threat pick and roll with AD and Dwight? Uh, Mello have to stop swapping, uh, swiping for the ball and getting early fouls. Yeah, they had gotten away from the lob threat because they weren't playing their bags. AD's not out there. But uh, Malik Monk, man, he loves throwing lobs, especially the Dwight Howard. They've got, they've got good chemistry. They've got the chemistry. Maybe it's from the Charlotte time together. But um, yeah, I mean, that it, when Dwight's on the floor... Those lobs become an option in and again, and you'll see them again when when AD is back out there. Oh my god, I completely forgot Dwight and Malik Monk were teammates back in the day. Once upon a time, back yeah. in the day, uh, there were a few moments down the stretch where other guards were creating for Russ. Tht got past the defense and found a, yes. a diving Russ. Is this something? Yeah, I mean that's we talked about this in the off season when they've just traded for Russell Westbrook. That one of the things that he's going to have to do is adjust to being a slasher when he's off ball because he's not providing any floor spacing. And so we got some examples of that tonight. I can't say we've gotten a lot of examples over the course of the season, but tonight we did see a little bit of that. We expected it to be more Russ slashing off of a LeBron drive, but in this case, it was a THT drive. We saw Malik Monk as well. Yeah, I mean, that that's not a bad recipe to play Russ and THT together. I just wouldn't expect to see that lineup or that combination too much, especially when Kendrick Nunn's back. Yeah, in, in general, I think Russ and THT together is not a great match, but tonight it, tonight it worked. Um, somebody said, glad to see THT play well, adds to his value for January 15th. I know, people are just so ready <laughs> Man, to trade him. people are trying to sell fast. Uh, and here's the last one we're going to do, said, how likely is it THT Nunn and a pick for Jeremy Grant trade to happen soon. How much better does it make the Lakers? I really that like is the chalk trade. trade. That's yeah, that's, that's the trade chalk. that everybody keeps going to. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of question marks in there. Who's the other veteran minimum that you add in? Who does Detroit want in that? Do you have to include your 2027 first? Are you willing to do that? There's lots of other different factors here. I would again, I wouldn't expect it to happen on January 15th. I think that if I'm the Pistons. I know a lot of teams are going to be interested and I'm probably taking in offers all the way up until the trade deadline. So yeah. I, I wouldn't expect it to just because I wouldn't expect the Pistons to be ready to pull the trigger on January 15th. Like, let me just break this down really quickly. Uh, Detroit knows that they're clearly a rebuilding team. Jeremy Grant isn't necessarily fitting their timeline. I think he's a good player to have on your team to help your young pieces develop. Because uh -huh. what's what's Detroit's core right now? It's going to be, you know, Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes. Kate Hunningham, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Sadiq Bey. Um, Jeremy Grant's not going to be their long-term guy. Um, so at some point, they're going to need to sell. And I think his value is going to be at its highest this season because next year he's an expiring contract, so that might scare some teams off. Uh, so having another year of cost-controlled value or another year of team control is great. Um, but like you said and like what we've been saying, THT, Kendrick Nunn, a veteran minimum, and a first-round pick is chalk. That's essentially the trade that the Lakers are going to have to give. Detroit knows that very well. That mm -hmm. offer is literally just sitting there it's not for them to take anywhere. it. Yeah, it's that's going to exist all the way up to the deadline. But maybe a contender or you know a fringe playoff team is looking at the roster going, if we add Jeremy Grant, maybe we can bump up a level. So then we're going to be buyers. And now we're going to offer more things to go and get Jeremy Grant. So the offers right now... For the market for Jeremy Grant might not look great right now, but you know, in the next three, four weeks, give or take, maybe some teams move up the standings and they like, okay, maybe we're a Jeremy Grant piece away from making a real playoff run. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good enough. Like the Lakers offers the Lakers can't do anything else. <laughs> yeah, is, that's their, their, offer. their offer is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, I'll finish with this. Johnny Alvarez said, uh, how about we see none play? Am I the only person who thinks he can come in and help this team? No, they sure. ab he absolutely can come in and help the team. There's a reason why the Lakers gave him the mini mid-level. The only guy that they could pay more than a minimum that's not THT, and they paid Kendrick Dunn. They want to see what they've got too. I, and that's another reason why I wouldn't expect there to be a trade on January 15th because they want Kendrick Dunn to have time to come back in and really get a sense of what he is and what he can bring to the team. It's possible that he's great and THT continues to thrive and you just go, huh, you know what? We're actually good. That's 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 not outside the realm of possibility. I wouldn't say that's likely if Jeremy Grant's there and, and the opportunity's there, but you got to find out what you got before you, you make a move like that. I mean, what level of THT and Kendrick Nunn would you need to see to pass on Jeremy Grant? Pretty, if he's pretty high level. Pretty high level. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you would have to, you would basically have to see tonight's THT for the next month. Yeah. 
right? And, and then none would have to be, be to come good. back like normal. He would have to be his, you know, whatever, 15 point per game, Miami Heat, Kendrick Nunn. Yeah. So, I mean, again, win win for the Lakers, right? If uh, Kendrick Nunn comes back, he looks great. THC keeps this up, which would be awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, the Lakers have got two very solid guards off their bench. Yep. And if Detroit doesn't want that, then cool. The Lakers are just fine, as is. All right. I think that's a good place to wrap things up. Again, fun having a, one of these shows when the Lakers get the win. Thank um, God. Playing again. Lakers undefeated in 2022. That's Trevor. right. Undefeated in 2022. They have not lost this year. Haven't lost this year. Um, they uh, do play again on Friday, taking on the Atlanta Hawks. Did so, you realize Trey Young dropped 56 against Portland and they lost? Yeah. And how, like, Portland looked like a joyless basketball team. And Damian Lillard's but, out, but, CJ's out. But, but the but... Hawks look pretty bad, too. They are, in fact, the Hawks are right now, Keith and I talked about this morning, they're number two in the NBA in offensive rating. They're. 29th in the NBA in defensive rating. Isn't it wild to see the Crazy. Hawks and the Knicks fall so far this season? Amazing. I guess regression to the mean, right? Yep. Um, sorry, that guess was a little off-topic thing, but um, I only we, brought up Trayon because that's who the Lakers play. This we, we had to get in regression to the mean before before we signed up. You got to hit all the, the bingo. <laughs> Someone in the chat should give us a, a bingo card for life. This is a, that's part of our drinking game, I believe. Yes. <laughs> regression to the mean, Alex Caruso. In a uh, vacuum. In a vacuum. Yep. Um, Somewhere in the middle, yeah. Uh, all relationship analogy. So some sort of relationship analogy. Yes. Yep. All right, guys. Appreciate oh, and excuses, excuses. Oh yes, yeah, that, that too, that too. Yeah. Appreciate everybody for joining us tonight. Uh, make sure you do subscribe to us over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. And don't forget, follow us wherever you do listen to podcasts, uh, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Look us up, Lakers Nation. We would appreciate it. Until next time, everybody. Stay safe. And see ya.